In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this, the culmination of Epiphanes prior to his passion, our Lord Jesus Christ is revealed in all his power and glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Here, he is revealed to the world to be both God of God and light of light. He is of one substance with the Father because this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is God in the flesh. The babe of Bethlehem, whose birth we remembered and celebrated four short weeks ago, is no mere man. Though he veiled his heavenly glory from the time of his incarnation until his glorious resurrection from the dead, yet his essence did not change. Just as Moses veiled his face so that the divine glory reflected by it would not become a hindrance for the people of Israel to draw near the presence of the Lord, so too did our Lord Jesus take up the veil of Moses to conceal the glory of God so that his earthly task might be accomplished. But here... Here on the Mount of Transfiguration, we are allowed to look behind the veil, to peer behind the curtain. And when we peek behind that metaphorical curtain, we do not see a fraud who uses smoke and mirrors to create the illusion of power which he does not in truth hold, as was the case for the Wizard of Oz. No, when the curtain is pulled back, When Moses shows his face and the veil is removed from our Lord, he is revealed to be everything that the Wizard of Oz was imagined to be and was not. In this greatest of epiphanies prior to Holy Week, our Lord Jesus Christ received from God the Father both honor and glory when the voice from the cloud spoke. Peter, James, and John have made known to us the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This Jesus of Nazareth is God in the flesh. And so it is that when God in the flesh is revealed to Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, they could not help but respond in the same manner as the fathers of the faith who came before them. On Mount Sinai so many generations before, Moses had been in those same shoes. A bright flame of fire appeared, and Moses found himself in the very presence of God so that he could not remain in those shoes. As the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. In the holy presence of the Most High God, Moses was out of place. A sinner cannot help but fear when the light of light appears. So it was for Israel, too, when they found themselves at that same mountain. When the Lord spoke to the sons of Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments, the people trembled and stood afar off. And 
Not long later, when Moses descended the mountain as God's representative to his people, with his face shining bright as the moon reflecting the greater light, the same fear overtook Israel. Fear and trembling will always be the result when even a reflection of the light of light comes upon a sinner. And the prophet Elijah shows us the same. When he was brought to that same Mount Sinai, he witnessed the glorious presence of the Lord, whose coming was introduced by a wind, an earthquake, and a fire which shook the mountain to its core. And after this glorious entrance, Elijah had to hide his face in his mantle so that he would be able to speak with the Lord. And sometime later, when the glory of the Lord was again revealed to Elijah, this time in the form of flaming chariots and horsemen to escort the prophet to his heavenly rest, his successor Elisha could not help but be filled with fear and astonishment at the sight. And lest we believe that this phenomenon is relegated only to the Old Testament or only to the time before our Lord's resurrection and ascension, the Apostle John records a strikingly similar incident for us in the first chapter of the Revelation where we read, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that had spoken with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead." But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Even after our Lord's resurrection from the dead, even after his absolution of the blessed apostles, and even after his bestowal of the Holy Spirit on those same apostles, a great fear still accompanies those sinners who find themselves in the presence of the Lord Almighty. 
And so it is not only understandable, but it is truly meet, right, and salutary that Peter, James, and John fell down with faces to the ground when their Lord and Master gave them just a glimpse of his heavenly glory. Here on the Mount of Transfiguration, these poor, miserable sinners were in the presence of the Holy and Almighty God who manifested himself to humanity in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Here in the presence of such holiness, they should be consumed like Nadab and Abihu of old. But it is not lightning from God's presence nor fire from heaven which comes upon them. No, the touch that they feel is the gentle touch of their Lord in flesh and blood. The words that they hear are not words of condemnation, but the loving words of their Savior arise and do not be afraid. Though these men undoubtedly deserved death, though their sins were an offense and an abomination to the Most Holy One, yet they are spared. For Christ means not to destroy them in their sin. No, he means to bear their sin and yours in his body unto the cross of Calvary. He means not to take up his glorious throne and remain here on this mountain. No, he means to strengthen his beloved disciples by means of this vision of unhindered Easter glory so that they will be sustained while he endures the veiled glory of Mount Calvary. The Lord Jesus strengthens Peter, James, and John with a touch and bids them fear not, but he does not bid them leave behind reverence and awe entirely. They are to tell no one of the vision until the Son of Man is risen from the dead, for all has not yet been completed. And even when that resurrection has taken place, reverence and awe of the Lord's glory will still remain, as is seen by that passage from the Revelation, where St. John falls down at the glorious presence of the transfigured and glorified Lord Jesus, and he is bid not to fear, but he is also not yet bid to arise in the presence of he who is alive forevermore so as to behold him face to face. Now the day of that resurrection will come when we too will see God in the flesh, but it is not yet that day. The day will come when we too will behold the transfigured and glorified Lord Jesus in the flesh, but it is not yet that day. Until that glorious day comes, we remain under the veil and upon our knees in holy reverence and awe. We remain under the veil in that we are not granted to see our Lord face to face and flesh to flesh. Just as Christ veiled his divine glory during the time of his humiliation, so now does he veil his resurrected glory to us. We see Christ through the veiled forms of word and sacrament. His transfigured, resurrected, and ascended glory are visible to us only indirectly through these ordinary means. 
We do not see the God of God and light of light face to face, but we do still see him with the eyes of faith. And just as Peter, James, and John before us, we also receive his benefits. Though we are poor, miserable sinners who dare to enter the Lord's presence in this place, though our sins undoubtedly are an offense and an abomination to the Holy One, yet you too are spared from the death that you deserve by the touch of your Lord. Behind the veiled forms of bread and wine, the Savior touches you in his body and blood. Though we remain under the veil, our Lord's touch is real. And so it is meet, right, and salutary that we join Peter, James, and John in falling down upon our knees in holy reverence and awe that our Lord and Savior comes to us so intimately and freely. It is not at the sight of mere bread and wine that we confess, my Lord and my God, and my eyes have seen your salvation. It is not for joy of receiving mere bread and wine that we humbly approach this altar. It is at the sight of the veil behind which our Lord comes to us that we confess these things. It is at the joy of being touched by his body and his blood that we pay such reverence. For the one whom the scriptures have revealed upon the Mount of Transfiguration to be both God of God and light of light comes to us. The resurrected one whom the apostles saw and bore witness to comes among us. The one before whom the prophets and apostles bent the knee and confessed as the Lord and Savior of all comes to touch you in body and blood so that you might be strengthened, so that you might be sustained until the day when the veil is removed and every eye beholds the transfigured, resurrected, and glorified Lord Jesus in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.